Welcome to Explorers Wanted. We are a weekly Numenera actual play podcast. Except for this week, we are a Spire the City Must Fall podcast. I am your most excellent GM, Stace Babcock, and with me today is Daniel Anderlich. I hope you came prepared for dumb bitch energy, because I've got it tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Alex Finn. Fuck, now I need to go on Etsy and actually buy that dumb bitch juice sippy cup. It's a thing. And Samson Davis. I chug dumb bitch energy juice every day. That's why I'm still in grad school. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get started, we have a sponsor. Samson. Yay, sponsor. Would you like to tell us more about it? We have been chosen. We are now a Dice affiliate of Die Hard Dice. With that, you can go to Die Hard Dice, enter in a code. You'll get a little discount from that, and we'll get some of that good, good goulash that comes off of that. Right now, they are running a deal from November 5th to December 20th. You'll get you 15% off if you use the code EXPLORE. That's all capitals EXPLORE with a little exclamation point at the end. So go there, find the tastiest dice you can find, and buy it with our code. I love their metal dice. Some of them are so fucking beautiful. There's this like black metal set with like kind of these rainbow inscriptions. They're f- beautiful. Ooh. I was looking at that today. Their resin dice are also legit. Back when I purchased these bisexual pride dice that have like very nice layers of color and mm-hmm. they're just beautiful in the light. Thanks to Die Hard Dice for supporting Explorers Wanted. All right. One fun fact about Spire is you guys are going to have to pull out the D10s. Yes, the D10s. They're all dusty and full of cobwebs. No D20s here. Just for a little introduction to the system, Spire is an apocalypse-like RPG. I'm not sure what they call their variation of the system. The resistance system. They call it the resistance system. (laughs) Strange voice from nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, so you have playbooks for the characters, you have different uh, moves or abilities, and uh, it, it follows that general system. Okay, so about the spire itself. The spire is a gigantic structure which was occupied by the drow for a long period of time until a few hundred years ago when the Elfir, or High Elves, showed up and forcibly occupied the space and essentially made the drow a subclass on the spire. So where did this structure come from? Nobody really knows. It could be a musical instrument played by the gods. It could be a reflection of a city on the moon or a vast consensual hallucination or just a big ass skyscraper. Who's to say? But one thing that's true is that some drow are fed up with their lot in life. And these drow are part of a shadowy organization that does not officially exist called the Ministry. Now, the Ministry worships a secret forbidden goddess, an aspect of the moon called our hidden mistress. And each of our player characters here tonight are one of those drow who are part of a Ministry cell. So before I get too far into the lore of the world, why don't we go ahead and introduce our characters? Samson, we'll start with you. I'll be playing a Lajon, which is kind of a priest character named Reagan Leaf. They them pronouns. They are kind of a tall, like kind of six and a half foot lanky person. Generally, they're wearing like this dingy kind of brownish gray robe that completely covers 
and with a hood that completely covers her face all you really see of them is like this silver necklace that comes out of the hood with like greasy limp kind of silvery hair we're drow we all have silvery hair that's what is that it Ari salvatore rules monochromatic so which particular shade of gray white or black your hair is is up to you Ooh, let's call it that dirty white gray like salt and pepper no monochromatic so just gray like all the colors been drained out and that's all you really see them they're kind of like hunched kind of making trying to make themselves feel as small as possible or seem as small as possible and they're kind of this game's version of a healer a little bit (sighs) they have healing capabilities at least all right and the drow as part of the privilege of living on the spire are required to do four years of durance or indentured servitude to the elfir to an elfir noble or lord what was Regan, is it Regan or Reagan? Reagan. Reagan's Durance. Reagan was a killer. They were given assignments to go kill whoever their Elfiel master felt need to be killed. And on their last killing mission, things went awry. They were presumed dead, but were in fact saved by another member of the ministry that I am a part of the Order of Our Glorious Lady. Lemie? Lemie? However you want to say it. So, yes, and our glorious lady is the Elfir-approved goddess for the drow to worship. The aspect of the moon that is appropriate to worship in their eyes. She espouses tenacity and community. Good things to have for a subjugated race to have. Eh. Yes, (laughs) what a coincidence. (laughs) So, you have a bond to another PC. What is that bond? And who is it with? While uh, I think in my early days of uh, administering to the needy and poor and just the drow in general, I came across a seemingly injured or sick individual called Tallow Wren, who I helped by giving some of my blood to them. And they seem to like that. (laughs) That feels like as good a time as any to learn a little bit more about them, her. Daniel, go ahead. So Tallow Wren... You seem to be asking their pronouns, and they never really specify. Oh, nice. Typically, it's only women who survive to be blood witches, but you can't really tell with Taloran. They, you know, have a very sort of androgynous look to them. Their blood is infected, so you can see the veins running through their cheeks. Their skin is like a deep reddish purple, like the color of a bruise. And it seems like almost all the time they have blood dripping from somewhere. (laughs) It's not always clear where. Sometimes they use their blood for magic. In fact, that's primarily how they operate. You know that Taloran's blood is sort of a deep burgundy red, and it flows slowly like it's mixed with honey. Hell yeah. Nice. So it potentially tasty, but... uh... (laughs) No one else in the party wants to eat it. (laughs) So then, you know, Taloran is a blood witch, which is kind of a unique background within Spire. Did Taloran serve a Durance? Yeah, Taloran did. Taloran used to operate as an agent for an Elfer. They would work as sort of a go-between with shadow elements of the city, criminal syndicates, things like that. That's what they used to do. But one of those missions, 
probably honestly meant to be a, you know, quote, retirement mission, sent them down into the heart beneath the spire. And there they became infected with the heart's disease. And they are now a blood witch. And they've come back up to the spire because that act on the Elfer's part motivated them to join the ministry and actively work against the Elfer. All right. And your PC bond is you have one with Reagan. Do you have any others? I also have, from my side, a bond with Reagan in the sense that when Reagan offered me their blood, when a blood witch tastes blood, they get a secret about that person's past or future. And I know that secret. Ooh. All right. And I also have a familiar. <gasps> Tell us more. A raven with compound eyes. Ooh. Named Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not Donald. Fucking Donald. And on this note, we have the one, the only, Alex Finn. Alex, tell us about your character. So I'm playing Danielle Steele, who is an inksmith. So it's really, like, kind of fun. Like, I was reading the inksmith description and, like, I was like, yes, yes. Like the little like blurb they have is, look, I don't get paid for boring stories, so drink this, grab a gun, and come with me. We're going to blow this thing wide open. And that seems like on par with me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Describe Danielle for us. I think Danielle kind of gives off like the, the mousy look because, you know, she's trying to blend into the background because like for her durance, I went kind of weird because I wanted to incorporate the inksmith idea of writing stories. Daniel helped write like counterfeit occult tomes to like trick the other people and getting false information. But like her dream is to write romance novels. Whose isn't, honestly. So we know what her endurance was. Mm -hmm. Does she have a PC bond? Yes. And we were very happy with it. So you know how... Tallow Wren drank Regan's blood. Well, Danielle just happened to be like around the corner, peeking in on a, up on them because Danielle's kind of weird and doesn't really understand, you know, these social constructs of don't peep on people because she's trying to write her romance novels and needs material. And while Danielle was watching, she kind of misinterpreted what was happening, which led her to write a very popular like series of vampire romance novels starring a very poorly disguised Taloran. Interrogation of the vampire. Yes. It might, <laughs> I, I feel like it was like so poorly disguised. If she knew Tallow's name, it would have been like Tallow Chen instead of Tallow Ren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and the book would be titled uh, Tuesdays with Tallow Ren. Mm hmm. <laughs> but yeah. That's her, you know, PC bond. Okay. So just a few things for you guys and our listeners to know before we get started, just to sort of share the vibe of the Spire. There are just a few things to know. So the first one is that our ministry ministers, which is actually what they're called, our ministers always attempt to subvert, not to destroy, but are not above a little murder especially if it will preserve their cover. Spire is not a kind world. In fact, it is a brutal, unfair, terrible world. And 
In fact, our PCs have been handed such a bad lot in life that they are revolutionary radicals. But above all, our PCs are brave. They're willing to do what others won't and are one wrong step from death throughout their life. And bummer for you guys, just if you didn't know, you are going to hurt people. There are no monsters inspire. Everybody is a person or was recently a person uh, or some, you know, configuration of a person. Everyone's sentient and highly intelligent. Correct. Correct. Well, maybe not the second one, but intelligent and the uh, scientific. A step above dolphins. How's that? (laughs) Everyone's a step above dolphins. (laughs) Eventually, your characters will die doing this for the ministry. Maybe not During our one-shot, maybe not during future one-shots, we sort of string a few together, but eventually your character will die. And there's always another level. You might have one small victory, but somebody bigger and badder and meaner is going to come in and take it away from you or twist it or mutate it so that it is no longer quite the victory that it was. Like social media. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly like that. Your own family would sell you out. Being a minister is extremely dangerous, obviously, if ministers are found or discovered. Uh, it's a scorched earth policy from the city guard and the Alfier overlords. And not only would your family sell you out, the ministry would sell you out. One day you might get uh, mission orders that send you directly into a trap because for some reason uh, you expose the ministry or it's just better if you disappear and they will try to get rid of you. So that's kind of the crazy aspect of this world. And what makes it a little bit different is that it is brutal and it is very, very, very dark. Okay. Are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So we open with all three of your characters standing in a rough-hewn stone room. It is absolutely frigid in here. There are a few candles that provide some dim light. One is guttering and casting strange shadows across the walls. And there is no discernible heat from these flames. It is so cold here. But the air smells overwhelmingly of incense. It's almost choking. Beneath it, though, you can smell a hint of decay and antiseptic. Threadbare tapestries hang from these walls. Uh, You can't quite tell what they used to depict, but there are holes and tears and just extremely faded old weavings on the walls and then above you there are smoke-stained rafters of extremely old wood and a vulture is just absolutely screaming its head off in the rafters above you it is so annoying it won't stop now why are you here you're here because you were sent by the ministry for unknown reasons to retrieve a body to steal a body and deliver it to a temple in new heaven The body that you seek is laying on a stone slab in the middle of the room. It is a middle-aged dark elf man wearing extremely stylish and fashionable finery that is just tailored to perfection. And on the ground beside this slab is a mortician, one of the adherents to the order who is legally responsible in the spire for tending to the dead. And this mortician is dead. How did you accidentally or intentionally kill this mortician as you arrived to retrieve the body? I have a proposal. Everyone's cool with it? Go for it. Please. I'm thinking, or I would propose that while we were hiding, like, in the doorway or in the staircase or whatever, trying to, like, plan it out, someone said, like, oh, we gotta do something with this mortician. 
And then Taloran and Dana Steele like kept talking about it. And then Reagan, just trying to be helpful, went and just did it. Cut the guy's throat. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right. So Reagan standing there above the body, quite proud, I imagine. <laughs> while <laughs> wagging his tail like a helpful puppy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Reagan kind of like has a knife, looks up, just like, "Did I help? Is this good? <laughs> I do good." <laughs> what are you doing? You said you wanted to get rid of him. Like in a closet. Yeah. I can move him to a closet. <laughs> yeah, but they're going to find a dead body now. Ooh. And there's going to be an even bigger investigation. Oh. It's different between the body just going missing and the body being obviously stolen because of dead bodies. Oh. Ooh, we, we switch their clothes. S- switch them yeah. out. It's fine. Right? How does the mortician look compared to the dead body? The mortician is a short, stocky drow uh, <laughs> with thick eyebrows. Eyebrows is wrong. With thick eyebrow and a stubborn <laughs> jaw. And they are wearing like a Howie-style mad scientist gray lab coat with shiny, shiny black boots. And they are not even remotely similar in size to... Is there a, like, book or parchment or something that, like, has descriptions of the body or any bodies in the morgue? There might be. You don't see any right now. Well, if no one really knows what the body looks like, can't we just do what Danielle says and just not even switch clothes? Just put this gentleman on the table and then take... I'm all for that. I can even... uh It's very hard for you guys to tell because Tallow Ren responds to, like, happily to any pronoun. Mm-hmm. but never gives you an indication of if there is one that's more fitting than the other. But uh, Talaran holds up their athame and says, I can even like shave the brow a little bit, so make it at least two shapes. Remove something <laughs> memorable. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> or how about we like just like kind of throw a little acid on that face so nobody recognizes him? Horrible burn accident. Oh, no. Oh, oh. I just realized something that could be helpful since... Reagan has already kind of complicated things for us. And Taloran leans down next to the body and sticks out a long tongue to lap some of the blood from the neck wound. No, it's been on the ground. No. <laughs> <laughs> when Taloran receives a vision from the blood, or a secret from the blood, what does it look like to those watching her? And how does it feel to her? When it's happening. Or them, excuse me. So, Taloran probably, from the external standpoint, kind of freezes for a moment. You know, you might see, like, some of their muscles spasming, but they don't, like, it's not It's not like a seizure, because they still can stay in an upright position. And they probably make some more <coughs> sounds as they're processing it. From Taloran's perspective, it's the taste of the blood, sweet, and then a like essentially kind of falling into a vision for a moment and sometimes the visions are long but the exterior time that others perceive it's the same short instance it's the memory however long the memory is just gets played out in faster time so the secret that the mortician's blood reveals is that there is something wrong with vane's body oh the mortician was not sure But 
they, Marrow, was trying to cleanse the body. Hmm. So Taloran blinks, coming to, looks up into clearly the face-too-close Danielle as she's taking notes. (laughs) Yeah, Danielle's just right up in there, like, she needs material for her next novel. Mm -hmm. So she's almost, like, nose-width away, like, in there. And Taloran licks their lips and says, there's something wrong with the body. Because it's been on the ground. (laughs) I said that. This is now a murder mystery. No, before that, the mortician was trying to figure out what was wrong with it. And then they met you. Oh. So is this now a romantic murder comedy mystery? Where in my world that I'm not sure I can make this a rom-com, I'm just saying. Maybe you save it for a different book. So if I knew that the mortician was trying to figure out what was wrong, reaching a bit here, but does that mean that there's the possibility that if I search the morgue that I might find notes on the same? Sure. If you search the morgue, you could also potentially find more clues if you examined Vane's body. What? Happy to do that, too. I mean, I guess. I'm already down here. Yeah, so one thing that you do know is that the disposition of the dead is something very sacred to the morticians, and they also are the keeper of many secrets. So, typically speaking, if there are notes of that nature, they are not very far from the attending mortician. Perhaps even on their person, maybe. Who knows? Okay, let's search the mortician. All right, as you search the mortician, you find a small notebook and a vulture whistle. Hmm. Would we know what a vulture whistle is? Yeah, vultures are common enough. Carrion birds are are sacred to many drow because there's a general belief that bodies should be disposed of by Mm -hmm. carrion birds and return to the cycle of nature. So vultures are fairly popular pets amongst the drow. Okay. Is it the kind of thing that it's usually like a generic whistle? Or is it something that, you know, typically they're fashioned so that one bird falls the given tone? A bird might be trained to different like rhythms or or whatever on the whistle, right? As in to do specific things, but it's like a dog whistle. You know, it's just of the correct pitch mm-hmm. for a vulture to respond to. I'm going to blow into the whistle. The vulture that was causing a racket above your heads immediately shuts up, thank goodness, and then flies down from the rafters to perch quietly on the stone slab facing Taloran. What do you think of that one, Jeremy? Does Jeremy speak? Jeremy can actually speak to me, Yes. How how does Jeremy speak? Does it sound just like squawking? It sounds like squawking to everybody else. Okay, so it just sounds like Jeremy is cawing, but like in a weird dissonant call to everybody else. But Talorin hears such a simple creature. It wants the bodies. That's fine. It's all they ever want. Come to think of it, it's what you usually want, too. <laughs> you receive no response, just... Side eye. So I look at Jeremy and I say, fuck it. Um, and I point towards the mortician's body and I say, you can have the eyes. <laughs> Jeremy ruffles their feathers and sort of, you know, shakes themselves and jumps down and starts pecking at the eyes of the mortician, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. The vulture doesn't make a move to eat the body, simply continues staring at 
Taloran expectantly. Oh, I wonder if it's been trained to get a command. Hmm. I'm going to look at the vulture and say bedtime. The vulture sort of, uh, as birds do, you know, sinks down and sort of, there is no nest, but like as though it is sitting in a in a nest at rest. Good vulture. I still want to search this room for any other notes. So you have Marrow's notebook. Oh, oh okay. Then I'm going to look at the notebook. Yeah. So within the notebook, you see notes from several previous bodies that Marrow the mortician had been responsible for. And the last entry is, of course, vain. And in it, you see notes about the method of death. Dardanir Vane, in fact, died during an expedition to the heart. And he was leading the expedition, but set off a trap inside of a cavern that killed him and the rest of his expedition, except for his bodyguard who was off scouting. The bodyguard dragged Vane back to the surface, and Vane's father, a mortician, brought the body to the necropolis for the morticians to care for. Has the body been embalmed yet at all? No. In fact, if you look at the body, it is fairly obvious that it is not particularly well preserved. You can see patches of rot around the eyes, the nose, you know, the ears, the lips, what looks like bruising, but is in fact, you know, rot on the neck. No apparent injuries. You would assume that the, the injuries that caused the death are beneath the clothing. But based on what you know and based on the date of death recorded in Marrow's notebook, this body is de- decomposing much faster than expected. Hmm. Is there any access to blood? Yeah, there could be. There's no dried blood. You know, the body's been cleaned very well, but it has not been drained of blood. That is not something that the morticians do. Their goal is to get the body out onto the Towers of Silence as soon as possible for it to be eaten by the carrion birds after, you know, performing last rites and rituals. Okay. I know we got to move this body, but I want to try something real quick. And because we know something's wrong with the the body. And... They're going to take their athame and make an incision along one of the limbs to try to get at what blood they can. What is an athame, Daniel? Is it just a little knife? or It's a ritual knife, essentially. Fancy knife. A fancy ritual knife. So, yeah, you puncture the skin and, you know, obviously it's not flowing. There's You almost have to pull the incision apart and there is some oozing blood within the cavity. Lap, lap, lap. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So once again, you have that sort of standing seizure, or at least that's how it looks to those watching you. And of course, the older a body is, the older that blood is, the less reliable the secret that you receive. And in fact, the infection in your blood, which gives Taloran their power, you've never felt it do this before, but it's like it awakens and revolts and rejects mm. the blood and Taloran throws up. Bad blood. Bad blood. Oof. Are you okay? Do you need more blood? Do you need better blood? Um, sure. That actually is great. <laughs> Taloran never says no to this. <laughs> Reagan uh, pulls out their knife again and cuts it. Let's be honest. How many times has uh, <laughs> Reagan done this for Talo? <laughs> how many do you want to say? Should we roll a D4? More than was needed. I think we should roll a D6. D20. <laughs> Reagan kind of like pulls up their sleeve a little bit near like their wrist. There's like two kind of re- relatively fresh scars already there. And 
Reagan makes another one and lets a few drops of blood drop into uh, Tala's mouth okay. or onto their tongue or where uh, whatever is appropriate. You'll definitely do that, but Tala Ren still like manages to extend their tongue just enough to lap at the wound too. <laughs> Get a little. <laughs> what juicy bit of backstory does Tala Ren discover this time? Did I say? It? Yeah, it's coming yes. from you. I get a different one every time, so. What would be juicy? And it can be either your past or your future. I don't think it's any fun if I decide my future. How about you see who my patron was during my durance? Ooh. I don't know how useful that is to you, but you see, I think, like, the moment that, like, Reagan is first, like, brought to them and told, Mm. like, what what services they'll be providing for Elphir Master. And I want to be clear, Taloran's secrets, uh, when they discover a secret, it is not just a vision, it is also the information. So they might receive the information with that visual, but they would know the name of the patron, even if it was not spoken, if Reagan knew it. Yeah, Reagan absolutely knew it. I, Samson, just don't know it because I don't know how much stuff I can make up at the moment. Oh, whatever you like. All of it. Uh, all right. You meet Dr. Daddy Pants Snuggle Bums. <laughs> <laughs> High class name. Old family, you know? I mean, the, 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 the alpha wear masks all the time, so maybe they like to use... It's just another form of mask. <laughs> Is their society just like eyes wide shut all the time? Yes. yes. Gross. <laughs> but darker. How? Sexier. How? I haven't seen whatever you're talking about. Good. It's the best, it's the best Christmas movie of all time. What? That's a Christmas. I'm technically not wrong. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, Stanley Kubrick's last movie. Well, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. And all the domino mask orgies. Um. <laughs> Halloran learns about Dr. Daddy Bottom or whatever. <laughs> Daddy Pants, Pants Snuggle Bucks or whatever. God, Daddy, Pants, Daddy Pants Snuggle, snuggle Bucks. And I think Daniel, or sorry, you're not Daniel, you're Samson. You hurt me with that. I want you to know. Uh, so. <laughs> going to die anyway, so whatever. Uh, so as Tallow runs learning that juicy secret, Daniel Steele, you hear a low, indistinguishable murmur, like somebody is talking just out of your hearing. You guys hear that noise? What? Oh, no. Is someone coming? Maybe. Is this a moment where we hide or we pretend we're doing kinky stuff so if they leave awkwardly hide oh definitely, definitely hide. hide definitely hide it's never the kinky stuff i'm sorry it's never the kinky stuff damn it all right so uh where do you hide there's this is a pretty open room save for the uh stone slab and counter along one wall and the rafters how did we get in through the door through the front we just came in the front door how did you get into this room yes you came through the door how did you get into the necropolis? You snuck up. So the necropolis is a giant tunnel. It's a vertical tunnel that goes from the gardens where the various um, fungi and beetles are cultivated, you know, that feed the drow and the alfir on the spire, all the way up to New Heaven. And inside this tunnel is this staircase that spirals along the inside walls all the way up. So... And, and along these stairs for, for most of the duration up until the stairs become this black sort of marble stone, so more uh, processional space, is occupied by a street market. Mm. 
Uh, and so you guys came up via the street market, snuck into the three stories of the tunnel that form the mortician's morgue and, you know, went down one of the halls that sort of spoke off of the tunnel along the stairwell to find this space. Okay. Sorry. I thought you were asking how you entered the room. I was like, through, through the door. <laughs> that one door over there. I was basically trying to figure out, like, is there actually like a secret location nearby that we use for our discrete entrance? Mm-hmm. So you, you would have entered off one of those spokes and, you know, there are family and different people in and out in this area. But these this is just essentially a row of, of antechambers where bodies are prepared for their procession. Mm-hmm. Do the rafters above connect to other rooms? Like, can we kind of like see off to the sides, like past the wall of this room and see that it kind of goes beyond? Or is it like these walls go straight up? They are solid stone all the way up to the ceiling. And the rafters are almost cut in to the stone. So the rafters continue, but there's not a gap. Okay. But there are rafters that we could, in theory, do that one spy movie move where somebody's like hanging on the rafters until like they start sweating and then everyone looks up. Like bracing their hands and feet against two rafters. Yeah. Or just, you know, sitting in the rafters. Yes. <laughs> How high up are the rafters? So this is a fairly cramped room. I mean, I don't know. What's a normal ceiling? I don't even know. What do people have in their houses? I don't know. It's like eight feet, whatever that is. It's not a high ceiling. <laughs> no, it's... That's I'm like, low. God, yeah. you can't fit a ladder Ten in Ten feet? I don't... I don't... It's also high above me. I don't know. <laughs> Smaller than a standard ladder. How's that? I mean, you could get up there. It's a standard ceiling. Yeah. Okay. And there's I'm no sick. closets or storage. The stone of the ceiling is directly on top of the rafters. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, did we finish switching the body's clothing? You did not. We decided not to because they were two very different sizes, didn't do we? Different sizes, different okay. people anyway. I thought we just agreed to just like scarify the face and be like, look, it's not a big deal. You guys uh, discussed a variety of options and came to no conclusion or decision. Sounds like us. Yeah. But as your characters are pondering this, in an already frigid room, a deep chill sweeps over the entire party and nestles deep inside and grabs each one of you by the heart for just a second and then lets go. And once it's gone, you almost feel warm in this refrigerated room. I think Danielle's going to whisper. Did I just pee myself? Is there a way that I could use my skill to interpret what that was? Because I do, I think I have at least the occult domain. I have a religion domain, and I would also like to know if I can roll to know what the fuck that was. Oh, yeah, I have the occult double shadow domain. So let's see, the occult domain covers non-church magic weird stuff, okay? And religion (laughs) is churches of God of all kinds so reagan they already know that this sort of thing is just really was that spooky it doesn't fall under our glorious lady this would be something that is more the domain of mayror the god of snuffed candles that the morticians primarily worship okay then reagan will just make like a sign of protection around themselves and say i think we need to get out of here like soon like now soon 
okay, we'll wrap the body and let's get out of here. Get the legs. Uh, how are we going to hide it? I'm going to send Jeremy out to see if Jeremy can spot anybody coming. Okay. Jeremy licks their beak, having just finished Marrow's eyes, yep. and <laughs> flies out into the hallway. Now, can Teleron see through this familiar's eyes, or is it more just an informational stream? I think for narrative flavor, it's probably seeing through the eyes, although from a practical standpoint, it's whatever Jeremy can interpret of the situation. Well, simply looking through Jeremy's eyes, which is incredibly weird because it's looking through a set of compound eyes, but I would imagine Kaloran has at least adapted enough. Mm -hmm. And there's nobody in this hallway from end to end. There's no one in the hallway, guys. So, what are we waiting for? Let's take the body and go. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Reagan will pick up the body. Talred will help. So strangely, as you pick up the body, one thing that you do notice is that while there is vomit, where did Talred make the cut on Bane's body? The arm. The arm? There is vomit up onto kind of the neck area, just a little bit that had gotten up there. The clothing is perfectly clean and free of vomit mm. when you pick it up, although there is vomit remaining on the stone slab as well. That's a neat trick. So you head out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Do you turn deeper into the morgue or back towards the center central stairwell? Whatever we had a planned as our original escape route. So you're trying to get to New Heaven, so you would head up the stairwell. Okay. That's typically That's speaking. what we do. All right. So you head back towards the central stairwell. And Danielle, what are you doing as the party progresses down the stairwell? Or not down the stairwell, towards the stairwell down the hallway. I think, wait, wait question number one, who is holding the body? Uh, it's between uh, Reagan and Tallow. So you're kind of like carrying. Yeah, there's not a strength skill, but neither of us are strength. Bills. Yeah, it's kind of like that weird. You've seen it in the movies, like when somebody's knocked out and you're doing that, like carry them between two people kind of thing and walking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think. If they're doing that, I think Danielle's probably trying to scout. And at the same time, while she's scouting, she's most definitely like taking notes, trying like, oh, this this could be like a fun little sexy setting for the next vampire novel. The mortuary had some really great mood lighting. We got to remember all of this for like when we, you know, make the sixth book in that series. So as the party is progressing down the hallway with Vane's corpse sort of propped between Talorin and Reagan, Danielle starts to lag behind as she makes her notes. And between Danielle and the rest of the party, suddenly one of the other exam room doors opens and a mortician in full ceremonial regalia, which looks basically like pick your favorite configuration of Catholic vestments. Can't imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. But black and white? Tell me, how good is Danielle at dodging a suddenly open door? I feel like not that great because she's taking notes, like, and half-heartedly scouting at this point. Like, okay, we haven't hit anybody yet. The creative juices are flowing. She's looking around. She's feeling the walls, pushing herself into things. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Just like throwing her back into the wall, like, okay, okay. 
All right. So uh, I think that probably what we are just going to do here is roll and see if what kind of stress Danielle takes from running face first into this door. So I think that's fair. Okay. So go ahead and roll a 1d10. 1d10 base. 1d10 if you have the uh, resist skill. I do not. Okay. Do you have any sort of skill or ability that would give you an additional die? I have shadow plus two. Nope, not for this. Okay. I don't know what that means. Because, yeah, my... That means you would essentially subtract two stress anytime you took shadow stress. Okay. And then my other skills are compel and investigate. Yeah, so just roll your uh, 1d10 and tell me what you get. Four? Is that good or bad? Not great. That's that's bad. That's um, failure. So you are going to take stress. So from this door, you will take D4 stress. So roll a D4 and tell me what you get. And that is going to be stress to... My nose. <laughs> blood. I got a one. So you take, yeah, one stress to blood. So just mark one stress. Okay. So once you get two to four stress, we can start talking fallout. Okay. So once you get at least two stress, you can start to reduce your stress through taking fallout, which is basically a temporary or permanent effect that would reduce that stress back down to zero there but we'll get there if we get there cool so you run face first into the door yep and this mortician peeks first left and sees talarin and reagan with a drow dressed in finery propped between them and looks right around the door to see danielle and she says what are you doing here? Well, we were taking a wonderful walk. In the morgue? This is for morticians only. Well, and the dead, and I don't suppose any of you are dead, are you? No, but don't yuck our yums, hey, okay? <laughs> I am Danielle Steele. She closes the door and she crosses her arms and looks over at you and says, First of all, I don't care. You're not supposed to be here. None of you are dead dead are you and she looks again over at Taloran and reagan and what are they doing <laughs> for comedy reagan looks at uh tallow <laughs> and just kind of does like a quizzical like are you Taloran just shrugs <laughs> come here you three hey we're just incredibly drunk <laughs> <laughs> okay you stop she says and she holds a finger up <laughs> in front of danielle <laughs> You three, come here and tell me what you're doing here before I call the guard. So, like, can Danielle use her skill and compel to make her, like, for, like, the persuading the person into thinking, yeah, you know what, maybe they are just really drunk. Hmm. Sure, but that is going to be a difficulty one because to this point, no one has acted drunk. <laughs> so that just means you remove one die. So you just get you get your base D10. Okay. Your skill would normally add an additional D10, but because it's difficulty one, you subtract one D10. Fair. Fair. Um, the zero is 10, right? Yes. Okay. I was like, fuck, I got a zero. I'm like, wait. Yeah. Okay. So a 10 is a critical success. So if you were delivering stress to this mortician you would get plus one stress but uh in this case she simply believes you so she leans in and sniffs at your breath kind of and she says drunk or high is there a difference 
Yes, you don't smell drunk, but you are kind of acting. And then she drops her voice to a whisper. You know that's illegal to possess. <laughs> I won't tell if you don't tell. What kind of role would it be to Danielle to actually have some stuff on her to be like, Hey, you cool? So what she is referring to when she says that is illegal, drow frequently take Malik, a mild depressant, um, after work or before sleep. And the elf here have recently made it a serious crime to possess or sell the drug. Is it a cold or is it a Malik cough? Who knows? <laughs> so um, the likelihood that, you know, if, if Danielle would partake, she has it. That's yeah. Oh, well then, yeah, duh, fuck. It doesn't seem like it's actually illegal, just like some colonizers were like, you know what? No, you're having too much fun. That's not what we think is fun, so fuck you. Our benevolent overlords disagree. Get out of here, you four. And tell him he did too much. You might want to take him to a healer because, yeah, that's where we're headed. That's our next stop. Yep. Okay, well, if you are trying to find a healer in New Heaven, and she's, like, walking you guys now towards the stairwell. If you guys want to find a healer in New Heaven, honestly, the fastest way to get there is to go up, and you have to be really fast, cut through the upscale mortician's offices where they consult with the Elphir, and that is also the safest way to go because, you know, it's well-guarded. Otherwise, you have to take the choke all the way up, and... You know, it just takes much longer. Thanks. Okay. I think. Yeah. All right. Go. Go. Yes, we know what that means. Do, 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 do. <laughs> All right. What can I explain? Well, I would assume we would know what the choke is, but. Oh, the choke, the market, the street market on the stairs. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what she's saying is, is if you go up, you know, and then go into the more upscale mortician offices and cut through those. It's faster to get out into the into New Heaven and find a healer than if you just take the choke all the way up and emerge in New Heaven that way. So you would you would be essentially cutting off through a, one of those spokes because the Alfir do not descend into the choke to consult with the morticians. Mm. So either way, I'm going to thank the mortician. But as we're going, I'm going to say, like, we're totally not going to do that, right? Because we don't want to go somewhere where somebody's going to spot us. Or at least somewhere where people might actually care what we're doing. Where we will further weakens and burdens this. Mm-hmm. But she made it sound like it might be a faster way into a new heaven. Faster way to an execution sentence. I mean, look at him. Do you not believe our lady walks with us? That she will show us a path? <laughs> we drank of our lady's blood and found it sick. Reagan just makes like a worried whimper, but... We'll not fight either of them if we go to the choke. There. Let's do it. All right. So you emerge from this particular spoke into the choke. And just as it was when you climbed up here to enter the morgue, you see haphazard booths built along the inner wall of the stairs. Since this is a vertical tunnel that emerges into new heaven, sometimes sunlight comes down. And sunlight's very bad for drow because it burns the drow, right? So there are all sorts of awnings over these booths and along the stairwell and thick enough that it is in fact dark within this street market but there are there are some dim and dirty lanterns and 
various, you know, a mage light lighting source maybe for a, a more well-off booth or, you know, perhaps it was stolen. And it provides just enough light for you to see. You hear, I mean, just a, a cacophony of sounds. You know, the rattle of knuckle bones hitting a scrying bowl. You, you can hear the sizzle of kebab hitting a grill. <sighs> and the echo of thousands of merchants hawking their goods, echoing up the vertical tunnel. The streets are extremely, or the stairs, I should say, are extremely crowded. The stairs aren't particularly wide until it gets up into the, almost a new heaven. Then they start to to widen there. But basically, you have this series of long but narrow, you know, no more than two and a half feet wide booths with various goods or even some are even bars that, that'll serve you, you know, a beer as you're walking up the stairs or an ale or whatever. We decide the drow drink here. And... So that leaves very little space for people to walk up and down the stairs. So it's almost single file up and down. And there are no railings. The only potential protection are the posts or, you know, sticks that various booths use and secure to the outer part of the stairwell to hold up their awnings. Do you guys think we'd have enough material to, like, cover up the body as we're carrying it? Like cloth or something like that? I can use my robe. I was thinking that, too. I think in the choke, his clothes might attract attention. Very nice. Yeah. I can cover him up with my robe if that's okay. Good idea. Alright. Reagan takes off their uh, robe with the hood and wraps it around. Is it Vane Dardenaire or Dardenaire Vane? Dardenaire Vane. Dardenaire Vane. Okay. You do so. It's a little bit awkward because obviously there's some rigor mortis and such like and, and stuff, but you, you do it. Do you remove <laughs> the finery or just cover the finery? I assume we're kind of in public. Yeah, I would assume we would only have time to cover it. Okay, yeah. so you do so. I know it would be smarter to remove it, but I don't think we had time to do that. Actually, quick question. How often in the choke do you see people just getting stripped of their belongings? Yeah, not often. The drow have a real sense of community, and they oh. do police each other up. So any sort of disturbance that could attract the attention of the guard is frowned upon. Gotcha. I have an idea. What if we pretended he vomited on himself so we have to get him new clothes? Or we cover him so completely that we just say, we just pretend that he's not a body. He's just something we're carrying to a stall. Like a rug. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I assumed that you guys were just putting the robe on before you fully stepped out into the choke. Yeah. And if you did that, you're fine. The robe is on. Yeah. You're good to go. Because I I don't think the robe is going to cover enough to make it seem like we're carrying a carpet well i also have a bunch of occult rags and things like that that i'm wearing like so i could go oh i thought you were going for a weekend at bernie's same (laughs) that's where i was thinking i think less might be more here so if we carry them like as uh danielle kind of suggested back in the morgue he's just a a drunk friend who had a little too much of a substance that i know what they are because i do the alcohol Um, And we just are carrying him to a safe place between our arms. So, like, we're carrying him, like, on our shoulders and just kind of dragging him between us. Yeah, and it's very awkward and a little bit slow because it is essentially single file. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Fair. So we do that. And then we win. All right. There's no no conflict. No conflict. You just do it, which is a great thing about Spire and Apocalypse. <laughs> sometimes you just do things. All right. So, Yeah. You start to proceed up through the choke. Now, who who is 
in front and who is behind the body? So who's who's sort of bracing? Who's leading the way? Who's the front of the horse? Who's the front of the horse? Who's the front of the Kelpie costume? <laughs> Unless Force 2, Reagan would never be in front. Okay, then it's Talran. Okay, so Reagan, as you guys are, are slowly making your way up these steps, you're, you're really slowing down traffic, right? People are getting kind of irritated uh, following behind you guys, but it's nothing they haven't seen before. There, there are bars and, you know, illicit Malik dealers aplenty in the street market. But you sort of have to turn your body back and forth and squeeze through. And every now and then you're, you're sideways enough that you, you're able to glance behind you. And multiple times you see a tall, lean drow dressed in knight's armor and carrying a great sword following you. And, and now and then she ducks into a booth, but always reemerges. The great sword is sheathed, right? Yeah, sheathed on her back. Okay. She has a look in her eyes of such intensity. She's just mall security. Us. That is belied by the fact that she's having trouble navigating her segue. <laughs> <laughs> you might conclude that she is trying to hide every now and then by entering these booths mm-hmm. and avoid notice. After seeing and more or less confirming that she's definitely following us, right? Like, that's definitely the vibe. That's That's the vibe. Okay. It's suspicious. Then Reagan will lean over to Talo and say, like, I think we're being followed. I think there's a there's a knight coming our coming our way. She's doing her best to hide, but I think she's coming for us. Should we help her? No. We gotta we gotta go take the body. I'm sorry. Uh we gotta try to lose her. Danielle, you have any ideas? I think just divide and conquer. I go and be like, Hey my buddy, what are you doing? And then she's gonna be all like what are you doing? And you guys will leave, right? Leading the party is always a great strategy. I endorse it. Yes. We cover more ground that way, yeah. I guess, like, yeah. Danielle's just going to peel off the line and approach the obvious security guard. Okay. You enter the line that is going down the choke, and eventually you do come up to this knight as she is climbing the stairs. So you guys are, are, like, passing each other almost at this point. I think Danielle's going to wave at her like, hey, hey, my buddy. So she immediately reaches out and grabs Danielle by the front of, oh, what is Danielle wearing? I want to say, like, what your average, like, romance novel, like, writer, you envision they wear. And then I'm like, a crew neck sweater? And- yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but a hot sweater. A really hot sweater. Yes. Um, or cable knit is what I meant, actually. Yes, that cable knit sweater. Yeah. And she's going like this with her hands underneath <laughs> her jaw, just smiling like it's picture day. She grabs the front of this cable knit sweater uh, hard enough that her, her fingers actually find their way through the weave <gasps> and picks Danielle up and holds Danielle up to her face now is danielle doing anything to prevent this or is she just like pick me up large drow lady (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's into it (laughs) she's all for that lady demetrius q feeling (laughs) she saw those ads (laughs) she gasps there's a pause and then like a notebook like comes up and she's just writing it like go on (laughs) keep going For a moment, she she starts to form words, right? She was very energetic. She grabbed you. 
But then she just sort of stands there momentarily frozen for probably seven seconds. And then she says, what are you doing with Dardanir? Who? Dardanir Vane. The the drow that your friends are carrying? A drunk buddy? That's, he's not drunk. He's dead. Are you sure? He was pretty drunk when I talked to him. His corpse speaks. What are you doing with his body? And she's carrying you up the stairs. Like, she's still making her way toward Talarin and Regan. And Samson, feel free to disagree, but I feel like Talarin and Regan are still moving as fast as they can reasonably move. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Danielle's got it. She'll be fine. She's a big girl. Mm-mm. She got them big girl panties on. Are you cultists? What? I'm a novelist doing the novels. We're writing a romance novel, and what you're doing right here is really helping. Thank you. <laughs> if you could just, like, find a surface to slam me into, that would be, like, even better. Do your... And she drifts off. <laughs> Her eyes sort of stare into nothing and then refocus, and she says, do your friends care for you? Like, in what way? I feel like there's a lot of ways to care. Like, they could care if I had lunch. We'll find out. And she takes Danielle, who's passively participating in this escapade, <laughs> and extends her well-muscled arm and holds Danielle out over the center of the tunnel off the stairs. Ooh. Oh, wait, I think they're joining an enemies to lovers thing. Oh, no, wait, she's in trouble. Tell her she's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we'll end this episode. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, man. I did an oopsie. <laughs> that was great Stace. you think yeah like think? i yeah that was fun like i could feel something coming because i i could feel like the pacing in the story but like i wasn't expecting that so that's that's fun cool great mm-hmm. i was gonna ask you what you liked about this episode daniel but i guess we know <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but do, I mean do you have anything else that you know you want to tell me about or compliment me about <laughs> <laughs> no everything else was okay we have a segment that we do each week called player intrusions and this week our player intrusion comes from alex alex yes what would you give our listeners an xp to check the fuck out well because last time i did bardnatium so i feel like it would be in proper guru shisha if i didn't like say hey let's try out kuchipuri this time okay so Here's a little, like, this is the best way I can describe Kuchipuri. Top level, if Bharatanatyam and Orisi had babies, it would be Kuchipuri. But the better way to describe it is Kuchipuri comes from the Telugu-speaking area of India. It's more theatrical and over-the-top and just, I don't want to say Banana Foster's bonkers than the other dance styles I do, but there's literally a move where you like intertwine your big toes together and then you like rock back and forth. Hmm. You can also dance on a plate. I own the plate. So if I want to, I can dance on a plate. Hmm. So I'm going to specifically direct you guys to my teacher, Yamini. She's really amazing. She's from India, but she's currently, she might be back in the U.S. now, but she's studying at the Martha Graham School of Modern Dance. So she really has some deeper knowledge on how to instruct people to move their body to really safely 
do a lot of these moves because a fun fact is if I do any of my dance moves in front of my personal trainer, he's just like, your body's not supposed to do that. It's a lot of knees over toes. Hmm. If you're not careful, you will seriously hurt yourself. But I still encourage you to go check out Kuchipudi because it's just the visuals, the facial expressions, and it's very into the fluid movements opposed to Bharatanatyam where you're using your entire body to work as a unit and you're all about the angles. Kuchipudi is more about flowing through the music and moving really, really, really fast sometimes. So, yeah. Is Kuchipudi what most people would think of when they think of, like, Indian traditional dance? No, it's actually Bharatanatyam. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bharatanatyam is the very popular one just because a lot of popular actresses have been trained in Bharatanatyam. Oh, okay. I forget which one Ashwaya Rai is trained in, but, like, the most famous one was Shobana. There's actually, like, a movie that's been remade, like, three to four times. Where she was in the original because of a dance scene she did. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll link y'all in the Discord. It's really amazing because she pretends to be like completely out of her mind and possessed by a ghost. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I will link Yamini's YouTube page and her Instagram to you, Daniel. Okay. Yeah. Could you, Booty? Check it out. It's a fun word to say. <laughs> All right. It sounds delicious. Like it sounds <laughs> like you just get like a side of Coochie Booty. And now I will smoothly transition to the next thing that we do every episode, which is possibly social media. (laughs) What? And I will take the baton Stace has given me and look over at my other screen and mention the explorerswanted.fm website where you can find all our social medias. For example, on Twitter, we are at explorerswanted. On Instagram and Facebook, we are at explorerswantedpodcast. But if most of your social media websites are hellscape because they are come join mm-hmm. us at discord we have a nice little community where we just nerd out about stuff video games movies plants animals we got it all you can find that at explorerswanted.fm slash discord also if you have enough dice but still want to give us more money we have a patreon patreon.com slash explorerswanted use our dice affiliate diehard dice code explore exclamation point at diehard dice that's the only place it'll work unless if you can't afford to financially support us we totally understand the best thing that you could do for us is to tell a friend what you like about the show why they should listen to it the second best thing you could do would be to write us a five-star written review on a podcast directory specifically apple podcasts Podchaser is a second. There are places you could do it, but those two make the biggest difference in helping us find an audience and all of that fun stuff. If you didn't like the show, or if you just thought it was meh. Well, the tower is not a building. It's inside your body, stretching from your abdomen to your skull. You'd be forgiven for mistaking it for your spine, but it's not that either. Like any good tower, it's full of staircases, strange rooms, some empty, some less so. And at the top of this tower is a single large room with a wide skylight above. An orrery sits on the table, showing off a planetary system as alien to your eyes as your own viscera. You live here, mostly, if you can call it that. The windows are barred, and the single door has a heavy lock. You have the key somewhere, you're sure of it. 
Occasionally, you hear the movement of heavy feet from the floors below. Other times, you can hear a hiss coming from under your chamber door. Often, when you look out your windows onto the arid landscape beyond your walls, you think you see giant shadows, indecipherable through the heated haze, moving slowly in the distance. Or maybe it's your tower that's moving instead. You're not sure. Some days, shadows will block the light coming into your cell and you hear distant knocking, as if someone or something is seeking entrance to your tower. But you never answer. Best to stay still. Wait. Let them give up. When they pass, you can get back to it. And you do, leaving bloody streaks as you rake your nails against the stone walls screaming, screaming, hoping in equal measure that both everyone and no one will hear your ragged cries. If you want to reach out to us individually on social media, you can. You can find me on Twitter at Anderlich, A-N-D-R-L-I-K. You find me on Twitter at Stace Windu. The tower is how I feel when I'm hungover. I'm at Slam Potato. I thought of the tower from the mobile games that just infuriate me because the person who filmed it couldn't do math at all. At Realty Unicorn on Twitter and Tea with the Unicorn on Twitch. All right. And that's it for this episode. Uh, Thank you for listening and have a good night or uh, other appropriate period of time. And bye. 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 Peace out, Girl Scouts.